Oh, hi, I'm Michael Buckley, and you're watching The Shmi Show. Welcome back, you guys. Next to The Shmi Show, we have our very last special guest of the season. There are a thousand things I could say about him. One of them being that he is one of the most joyful people on this planet. But I'll let you take a look. If you look up the word joy in the dictionary, you'll probably see a picture of Michael Buckley. As one of the OG YouTubers, Michael had an acclaimed YouTube career for over a decade. Amassing over 400 million views and 1 million subscribers, he made us laugh and made his mark. Although he has since retired, that hasn't stopped the impact he has on all of us. Now in the business of spreading joy and coaching lies, Buck inspires anyone who crosses his path. No matter what drops, the roller coaster of life takes Michael down. He keeps his head high and his heart happy knowing the only way to go from there is up. Like he says, I can solve anything with humor, gratitude, and perspective. Welcome to the show, the one, the only, Michael Buckley! Thank you for the introduction! <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? How are you? I'm so good. I love the word joy. I actually have a tattoo that says joy. Like my whole life feels centered around joy. So I love when you emailed me to be on, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So, yes, and I get the joy yes. vibe from you. So, I mean, I don't know you, oh, but when I see your tweets and I see your Instagram, I'm like, there's a joyful human being. So I, I feel deeply connected with you without having much of a connection with you. So thank you. <laughs> No, thank you. It's really funny you bring that up because that is what brought us together was we were talking, I will not say the names because it is not worth the energy, but we were discoursing about very joyless things happening on the internet one time. And I was like, God, like joyless was the perfect way to describe it. I've never actually used the word joyless before because it's such a dark word. But what was happening, you were like, this is so, I'm like, yeah, like what the fuck? Yeah. But I feel like when you're on the twitter.com, so much of the replying is joyless. And I always just think, what's your end game with this? You know, like, what, are, what are you hoping to get? And there, I mean, there are counter, there are ways to present counter arguments that are full mm -hmm. of intellect and all that stuff. But I, I know what you're, I don't remember specifically what we were talking about, but really all the replies were just so joyless and we just kind of bonded over that. Yeah. <laughs> it was like we found the light in the room. We're like, okay, you're nice. That is not what we want. Let's oh. hide over here in this corner. Yes. Which at a normal party, that is exactly how you and I would have ended up meeting anyways. We would have been like, I see you. Let's go. Let's go chat. I see you. So you are someone who is, I mean, to me, at least, is someone who has, when I think about it, when I was ruminating about this interview, when I was writing all the all the research down, I was like, wow, Buck's in my head a lot. Like, without you realizing this, like, you are literally, there's so many things you've said throughout your career that I did not realize until of now that I've carried with me. Um, one of them is so stupid, but it maybe it's actually something that I think about every time I go to film this show is back like 10 years ago when you were doing What the Buck, you were talking about your yourself preparing for yourself on camera and how you want to look good. And I remember at some point in time, people were coming at you for getting your teeth whitened. This was during the time where you, where you got your LASIK surgery and you snapped back saying, yeah, right? <laughs> and, and you snapped back saying that, you know, what I do to make myself look good on camera, because I have to look at myself for hours at, at a time when I'm editing it, does not matter to you. And I was like, wow. Like, and, and it was, you obviously said it in a much more like um, yeah. uh, intelligent manner. But I was like, yeah. And I think that all the time where people were like, Sam, why do you wear makeup? Why do you do I'm like, because I'm looking at myself. The way that I want to see myself should not matter to you. What I do to make myself feel good 
should not matter to you. And that's kind of like your MO. And I always, I mean, I tell people I dress for me. I get, I do mm-hmm. things for me because I do. I look at myself on zoom all day or when I was editing mm-hmm. what the buck show and it wasn't mm-hmm. like vanity. It wasn't, and it wasn't either no. like I'm hideous. I need to do all these mm-hmm. things to feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. I always think mm-hmm. that I just, I do have preferences. I like to look a certain way. I like to present a certain way mm-hmm. and my self-esteem is non-negotiable. My confidence is locked and loaded, but if I'm going to look at myself on camera, I like to look a certain way and right i used to wear i was filming a public access show that maybe 12 people were watching but i wanted to iron my shirt and i wanted to and also i'm signaling to my brain you took a little time today so like it's funny because during covid i got dressed every day i put on shoes every day i put on a collared shirt i was signaling to my body because if i put on slippers and sweatpants i'm signaling to my body it's time to go to sleep if i'm putting on a blazer and nice shoes i'm signaling to my body let's go so i'm always using clothes to signal to my brain it's time to get to work buck that's I'm, I'm the total opposite. I get so stiff. <laughs> you're this sitting is fine. in your underwear and shorts. <laughs> no, I mean I'm not kidding you. Hey, yeah, <laughs> that type of show I, I, Yeah, right. Well, I thought of you when I was like when I was setting up because I was like Buck used to never wear pants when he would record the Buck pants. show. Never, never wore pants because <laughs> i was Why? warm like full disclosure yeah. i was just a hot person the lights i was <laughs> using were those home like there's so many nice ring lights now i was using, no i know like, yeah like work lights from home depot so i would put yeah, on a blazer yeah. i'd put on my bike pack and i would just sit there in like my cargo shorts and no shoes so i could just stay cool as i was sweating so <laughs> You are a very um, affirmative, affirmative? Is that the word I'm looking for? Affirming, Person. Affirming. Um, affirming. Well, like, again, one of my favorite things is on your Instagram. You're always giving yourself a hug and saying a lot of affirmations. And I and I mean, I, I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with that. One of the gifts that my friends got me, because they know I'm into that, is they got me like a 30-day deck of cards, and you just shuffle it once a month, and every day you pick one up, and it says something to set yourself a goal or a mindset of each day. And that's... How, how how I'm so happy every day is because that small moment during the morning time, I make my bed and then I read that card because I already accomplished one thing to start the day off. And then I'm putting myself in a good mindset. And that's how I'm always happy for the most part. But I would love, since you are the king of affirmation, if you would want to start off this interview with an affirmation. Oh my God. So when it's funny that you say that when I'm coaching people who are really negative, Mm -hmm. I stay away from affirmations because their brain is so far away. My brain is very positive. So like, if you're like, life sucks and I hate my parents, (laughs) you're like, just think affirmations. It's like, fuck you. So again, I can handle affirmations, but some people are listening and they're like, fuck that. So Uh if you're a negative Uh person, I encourage neutral thinking. I love neutral thinking. Like that's how we get positive. We don't become negative positive. We become negative negative to neutral the positive but i am wired for affirmation so i mean my brain generally goes to you know when i'm affirming i say thank you god thank you universe i have all i need to be grateful and successful today something simple like that it's always thank you god thank you universe Mm -hmm. i have all i need to be successful today and it's funny i'm always in prayer and self-talk like it's not like i'm in crisis and i start praying i'm always praying (laughs) it's not like Mm -hmm. i'm feeling bad and i start self-talking I am someone at this age who's just, I'm always in prayer and self-talk. <laughs> no, I know. I, I mean, I mean, I'm the same way. Do you, cause you said, thank you. 
maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a little um unique, but one of the things that I've picked up and it it's from the what's what's that Netflix show where um uh and the, they're getting rid of like shit and like the, they're like the hoarders and they're oh, Marie getting rid Kondo, of tidy, yes. the magic changing lard of tidying up yes whatever. yes one of the things that i've taken from that show when it's been years that i'm doing and it makes me emotional in a really interesting way and i'll never be able to figure out why but when i need to let something go whether it's something materialistic or what like you know um, I literally say thank you to the item. I think about at what point in time it meant something to me. And then I let it, me saying thank you for the this. Like when I moved out of my last apartment, I moved here. I had so many, five years worth of memories. I lived with a boyfriend in that apartment. There was that, the, the, the walls could speak volumes in that apartment. And I'll never forget, I had, everything was packed up. There was nothing left in the apartment. My parents were ready to go. And I said, I'll be right back. Because I knew if I did not say thank you to that place, it would always linger in the back of my mind. I remember walking into the bedroom, closing my eyes, and I just said, thank you. And I left. And I knew because I thanked this, this physical place for creating so much of my life. And it's even dumb things like, like, it's so stupid, but I was, you know, going through old Halloween decorations. And there's a lot of them, like, you know, things like that bring sentimental value, but I don't need them anymore. There's no space, you know, in my apartment for these things. So some of these things I said, thank you. And I would put them on the curb and now someone else can enjoy those items. And I hope that those things bring as much joy that to them as it brought to me. Is there anything in your life that you've had to say thank you to? and let go that sticks Every, out in the top of your head. I mean, Everything. I was, I'm a minimalist. I read that book and I watched, these are the only books I have in the world. Like I used to have an entire house, a library full of yeah. books. I yeah. did it with my clothes. I did it with my books. I have no really possessions anymore. Like I just have, I have a desk, I have a computer, wow. I've got the clothes I wear. And I used to be mm -hmm. deeply attached to things. I had an attic, I had a basement, I had a lifetime full of playbills. I had, when I was in the school play, people wrote nice things to me. And I did the same thing. I love you. This was important to me. I no longer need this. It no longer serves me. I always tell people I have memories. I don't need the stuff. So if it's really, I'll take a picture of it and maybe save it. But I don't yeah. need, I never want to be in a world where I'm just going through Tupperwares of like crap. And again, I'm 46 so years old. Like I just, I don't need things. Like I love, I feel so detached from possessions and it's beautiful. And I was obsessed with possessions. I love, I didn't, I, I was, I would buy every book. I'd buy every DVD. I'd buy every CD. Wow. I was a collector of comic books. And so it feels the emotion is freedom. Like I touch my shoulders because the, like I could leave, I could pack all my stuff tomorrow and I would still be fine like i don't i don't need anything no, I, I don't i love yeah. that feeling of not needing anything i want something i, I don't need yeah <laughs> i say that all the time i always say i want things i don't need things i want a boyfriend i don't need a boyfriend like like that's the kind of mentality that i have and it's funny because as you said that it made me think about the reason why i have so many friends that live in houses now because i am of age of being a homeowner the idea of owning a house is so stressful to me not even the financial thing but just like you said, I'm now going to have to furnish a basement and a, um, a sunroom and and get a giant china cabinet for the dining room to fill up. I'm like, I have right everything I need in this apartment and I'm so happy and I haven't. And if anything goes awry, I mean, God forbid, I can just easily pack up my life, put it in my car and go find the next destination. 
I hope I never like, live in a world where I have a dining room ever again. I don't. I, it's just a waste. <laughs> it's Why really would I have a dining is. room? It's like I get worse. It's so heteronormative, and we're so brainwashed. <laughs> and again, I was married. I had two houses. I get the desire, but also now I live in a basement. I have no possessions. I, I have a, I've never been more happy. I've never been more fulfilled. And I, you know, I don't know, like I'm not poo-pooing traditional things, but I do think we're brainwashed. What do I want? I want to own a home. Why? You know, because yeah. the world uh-huh. will think I'm successful. Okay. Or, you know, I don't know. And again, I love- Like no offense, home. like no one fucking cares about your house. Like that's okay. why I was like, no one's going to fucking care. care about your house. But I never <laughs> want a guest room. I never want a dining room. I never want, again, and then right, you buy, I, I remember I just had like a den that just was, I never went in it. <laughs> like why? Yeah. I had a den. Like what was this den? Like I literally, I had for the dogs. That was it. <laughs> I didn't go in half the rooms and then wait, I, I at one point I was about to buy a 5,000 square foot house. I'm like, Oh, and that is that, that just is such a, like when you're not really supervising your life, you just start filling it with things. So I remember wandering around my house, which was plenty big. And suddenly I start thinking I should have a bigger house. <laughs> what? And so, Again, that's the lunacy of having money too. You just think I have all this money, I should spend it on something. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. So if someone comes up to you at a bar and asks, What am I doing at a bar? <laughs> <laughs> Finding a man. Um <laughs> if someone comes up to you at a bar and asks you who you are, how would you describe yourself? How would I describe I myself? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, right. what do I do is different than who I am. I, I guess, I, I don't know. Like, hi, who are you? I probably would just say something silly like, I'm Michael Buckley. I'm a delightful human being having a lovely human experience. Who are you? <laughs> who the hell are I you? Know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I would say other than, I don't know. I just, I, I, I see myself as just a human being having a lovely human experience. Maybe that's the yeah. simple answer. I'm a human being having a lovely human experience. And people would be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and then for your career, how would you describe what you do as a career. So I am the personal and professional development coach for a marvelous senior living management company, Aero Senior Living. And so I am basically their life coach. I work with them on leadership and I work with them on development and it is ridiculously fun and fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I love that. So let's talk about how you got there because your story is amazing and I love it. And and you've... Don't... <laughs> What do you mean? No, 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 no. Your no, story is. Thanks. Oh, oh, the face you gave me was like, no, we in danger, girl. Like, no, like we're about to go down. No, I, my, my story is amazing. And I'm very, I, I agree. I'm just saying thank mm-hmm. you. Oh, yes. So for those at home who do not know, Michael had a very illustrious YouTube career for t- about a decade. Um, He was one of the OG YouTubers. And you couldn't go on that website without seeing his face. He covered all pop culture events. That's what how he rose to fame. 2016, you retired from YouTube um, because, you know, the platform changed. Your, your your life desires changed. And after we've gotten to know you for just for a little bit, it's very obvious that, you know, that materialistic, number-driven, algorithm-infested world was not bringing you to joy anymore. And you left. And you left with like 25 million views and million subscribers. And you said, you know what? I need to, but you made an example of this isn't forever. This is just a job. That's all this ever was is a job. And people leave jobs and that's okay. And you need to sometimes just hang up the hat. You did what you could do there. You made the impact you did. You paved a road. You opened doors for people. You inspired people that you, didn't, you, had, you had never even met. 
and now you're out there helping you with everything you've learned in your life. You're now applying that to your new career. So when you knew it was time to transition out, were you nervous about losing a part of your identity? And if you did lose a part of your identity, how did you, not course correct, but like, how did you just find yourself and find your purpose and tell yourself that this was okay? I didn't fail. I left. Oh, I didn't fail. No, I didn't. So, I mean, it's funny because you said it was a job. I never felt it was a job. It was a lifestyle. Like, I love what YouTubers okay. call it. This is not a job. I worked at Burger King. I worked at the supermarket deli. I know what it is That's to a have job. a job. Yeah. It's a, it was a career and a lifestyle. Um, and I did fail in many ways. And it's funny because you just said 25 million views. I had 400 million views, but who's counting? So, I mean, I had 400 million views. And I... <laughs> And again, I was, I was, I was one of the first people doing it and there was no clear path and it's not like a normal career where it's like, oh, I'm a teacher and I know I'm going to have the summers off or, oh, I'm an actor and I'm going to have a movie role and then I'm going to take time off and maybe do a sitcom. I really was the first, it was like a, the first round of being a YouTuber was me. And, um, and I remember being on CNN in 2008 and being on the front page of the New York times. And people were like, who's this idiot making all this money <laughs> talking about the Jonas brothers. Like I remember, yeah, people, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. people, interviewers from TV shows coming to my house and being irritated. They're like, how much money are you making? And do you have a degree in journalism? I'm like, no, I'm just hilarious. Um, but I mean, I did fail. I mean, to be honest, I a bit my the most interesting part of my story is at the end of it, I, I always tell people, you know, I was done with YouTube and YouTube was done with me and it was time to do something else. I did it for 10 years. I was Michael Buckley, what the buck show, you yeah. know, talking head. That's plenty. So I I feel now with the lens of five or so years, I feel so much pride and so much gratitude. But it was challenging to leave because I, I did, I did want to, I did want, I didn't want to leave like and put my tail between my legs. And I did feel like it was, cause I mean the con like really the, the term of irrelevant, I had become irrelevant. I was a must watch show that got million of views and then just to watch, Oh, nobody's watching. And, and if they were watching, it was like, Oh, it's sad. He's still here. Remember when he was famous and that didn't really negatively impact me because I was 37, 38 years old. I had a fully formed opinion of myself, but mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. it, it was very painful, but it was, I did Boy. fail and I couldn't, I did not wish to sustain it. I did not wish to reinvent. I did not, mm -hmm. you know, I had great advice. I had great mm -hmm. people who were in my ear, Get, but I was done. I, I always say too, yeah. I had created an online version of myself that I did not wish to maintain. You know, I was wow. overly opinionated, yeah. overly amped up. I was not, by 2016, I could care less about pop culture. I, I had become someone who only wanted to have useful opinions in the world. And there yeah. I was going on for the sake of comedy, having opinions about everything. So just it no longer, I, I was no longer willing or interested in being that person. And so I am so grateful that I had all those years and all of it, even the messiness of it was remarkable and fun. And then, you know, was it hard to kind of do something else? In the, the, it's always the decision, like doing, it was always the, the, like when I quit drinking, quitting drinking was easy. Deciding to quit drinking was challenging. When I left YouTube, it was easy. Deciding to leave YouTube was challenging. <laughs> 
you know, so, but on the other, I just, yeah, I just, I loved who I was and who I got to be. And for people like you to remember me fondly is just like, I, I feel so grateful that I got to be that person for so many, you know, young people for 10 years. You say your purpose is to be an example of joy and possibility. And I love that. I like that possibility. What is your joy rooted in? And does that come from the way that you were raised um, where you always knew that you wanted to be a beacon of joy and nothing less than that? I definitely don't know if that I wanted to. I just always, I love joy. I think joy has always been like my best strength. And I think mm -hmm. all through my life, I always felt joyful, even in the moments mm -hmm. when I was not happy, like when I was being picked on as a child or when I was going mm -hmm. through difficult times in my life, I wasn't happy, but I did feel joyful. So I do think joy has always been my best underlying emotion. And I, you know, I definitely never, I just, I've always embraced it and I always choose it. And I always think that my joy was, my, my life was based in joy because no matter what I was doing for a living. When I worked at Burger King, I was joyful. When I was a YouTuber, I was joyful. And now that I'm a yeah. coach, I'm joyful. So again, I was never yeah. looking outside of myself. I was never looking to YouTube to give me mm -hmm. fulfillment. I was never looking outside of myself. So I think mm -hmm. I always knew that the joy and the fulfillment was within me, regardless mm -hmm. of what I happened to be doing for a living or who I happened yeah. to be dating or mm -hmm. married to. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting mm -hmm. that my emotional intelligence was pretty high at a young age that I knew that I was creating joy and fulfillment within myself as you said that it reminded me of this quote that i i actually talked about this a few episodes ago um from this like big yogi uh sad guru and he, he was talking about joy and he was saying that a career isn't joyful you know uh, a car ride isn't joyful like those things can't have joy you are joyful so you working that job makes that job joyful but then once you leave that job that job is no longer attached to you so you saying that it hits it right in the nail head for everyone at home, it's like rewire your mindset. And your thoughts create your joy because right, we could be doing the same thing and I'm finding it joyful and you finding it dumb. What's the difference? My thoughts about it. <laughs> so again, I'm responsible. <laughs> really, it's the best job in the world, the worst yeah. job in the world, the same job, mm -hmm. you know, but it, yes. what, same yes. with a marriage. Like we always think marriage is so weird. It's like, oh, I fell mm -hmm. out. I, 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 when I got married, I thought you were the one. And then the moment I didn't, I thought you were not the one. What's changed? Nothing. My thoughts about you. So again, my thoughts about my YouTube career brought me joy and fulfillment. And then one day I was like, I'm done. And now they bring me peace and resolution and closure. So again, it is your thoughts about your world that create, you know, your emotional experience, which they need to teach this to children. Otherwise they're looking for drugs or they're looking for sex or they're looking for yeah. affirmation from other people. And if you're mm -hmm. looking for it, that's the thing. When you start YouTube and you're waiting for comments and compliments, if you don't give it to yourself, there's not enough in the world from a stranger on the internet telling you never. you're hot on Instagram or you're funny on YouTube. There's yep. never enough. Yep. Oh, you've got to give it no. to yourself all day, every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. What's the one thing that you do miss about your YouTube career? Like, what's like the one thing you're like, oh, like I would relive that over and over again. I'm such a, I hate to say nothing, but I'm just not, I hate to say this because it sounds like I don't, but I'm not someone who misses something. If you said, what do you miss mm. about high school? I'd say nothing. <laughs> really? Who what fucking you, misses high school? <laughs> college, the food, but no, I know I loved high school. I loved college. I loved YouTube. Yeah. 
I, um, I just don't miss things. I'm so present. I'm talking to you right now. So I would have yeah. to interrupt that and think back 10 years ago and ask, and I'd be, I'd be lying. I miss the, the attention, the fame, the money, the easy and I don't miss anything. If I wanted that, I'd go back and create that again. So, and it was, I don't know. So I don't miss anything. I do still feel connected with fans of the, what the buck show, because I see, you know, I'll see them on Instagram or I'll get an email occasionally. And so I do feel like I still get to connect with the connection with the people who enjoyed watching me. Um, but no, I don't miss things. If I missed it, I would go back to it and I would start a different whatever. And, but no, I don't, I don't miss anything. I'm not a misser. It's not my, I don't miss things because I, I know what it's like to miss things. I was like that a lot. Like I missed the school play or I missed my friends over summer vacation. And now I am so it is today and I'm not thinking about the future. I'm not worried about the past. I'm just so enjoying talking to you. So I don't miss anything. I'm just grateful and fulfilled and enjoying the previous thoughts. But if you said, what would you want again? Nothing, not even the free shit in the mail, not even the free trips around the world, not even go stand on the red carpet and talk to these celebrities. Do I miss it? Nah. Was it wonderful? Yep. (laughs) Do I miss it? Nope. <laughs> well, as you were saying that, it all, it all of a sudden clicked. I was like, "Why did I say twenty-five million if there was four hundred million? Because you, because well, the reason why I, I had that number was because when I was making sure I had all my numbers right, because that is the amount of views of public videos that you have now. Because like you thousand videos are private. In yeah, or whatever. you archive yeah. that, which yeah. perfect because I have a statement of yours as you said last year about that that I want to talk about because when the second i read that it just i I was like relatable so um on your actual website you you made a blog post last june talking about how you quietly hid a lot you know your youtube channels and a lot lot of content so you went ahead and you revisited that that part of you that past that personality you were like i said a lot of things that people could have taken the wrong way they haven't yet but let me get ahead of it and just realize that this is like me slut shaming, me making these jokes is problematic. Like it was comedy back in 2006, 2006. It ain't comedy now in 2020. And you said, as I started watching old videos, I was amused by most of it. And I knew it was well intended, but what if some kid or anyone knew someone's on it in 2025? I don't want to leave it there. It felt irresponsible. That was such a good quote. And you said, it felt like I had a been, I was in a home for 10 years and I moved out and left it unattended for people to discover old Michael Buckley. I would rather make a new first impression with the world rather than my two girls, one cup reaction or making jokes about Miley Cyrus. Um, and then, but then you ended it with, ironically enough, P.S. My pole shape dancing video is still up to bring joy to the world. Um, I remain happily out of the YouTube game you saying that it that it would have been irresponsible for you to have left that out there was it what it, that the, the second i read that i was like wow because we all make mistakes we all grew up and at different periods and times and we're all learning the the only difference but with us than our parents is that a lot of that has been documented on the internet but it is our responsibility as individuals to make sure that who we are and who we want people to see us as is always represented because you don't want an old version of you that you've killed off and you've thrown six feet under to ever 
affects someone now. Well, it's interesting because like when I wrote that post, I don't feel embarrassed about my previous content. Mm -hmm. I don't feel defensive. I'm not like, I don't, I just, yeah, like I said, like I grew up where I was watching, uh, you know, all in the family and it was, you know, racist jokes and Jewish jokes and all that. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I was very much a product of, and also shock jocks on the radio. And so again, the world has changed and I have changed. So I just, I was happy to just private some of those videos, knowing that someday I might repurpose them with some contact. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite mantra? Like, if you're at a tombstone, God forbid you you know pass away anytime soon, and you were you were to put a mantra on that on that tombstone, what would it be? I think it would be. I mean, it would have to be something about God. So it would say Michael Buckley. It would say he was a beloved child of God. He lived with great joy and purpose. I, I think you know he loved life regardless of life. You know, that's one of my things that I always tell people, I love life regardless of life, not just when life is going my way. How dare I not love myself or others or my life unconditionally? So I think that's my great takeaway from life is I loved myself unconditionally. I loved everybody unconditionally. And I love life regardless of life, which again, during COVID and all that stuff, if you're not loving life regardless of life, it's way extra painful and a lot more suffering. So who am I signed up for the human experience and it's all of this, you know? (laughs) What was the darkest point in your life and how did you find joy out of that? Oh my God. I guess um, probably the summer of like 2015, I was heavily drinking, you know, much of my life was fueled by alcohol. I was... I was really in career crisis. I was still, you know, a YouTuber, but not enjoying it and knowing I needed to do something different with my life. So it was a combination of drinking heavily, career indecision. I had gotten divorced that year. One of my dogs died. So it was just like the year of like crap. But that was the, I always tell people, those are the most, that was the most important year of my life. As I, there is no me sitting here without that year. Like when I was just rich and successful and getting lots of views on YouTube, I wasn't learning that much about myself. 2015, when I was drunk on the couch, wondering what the hell I was going to do with the rest of my life. Um, I did find light and joy in God. I did found light and joy with working with a coach. So I always tell people I'm the product of God and I'm the product of coaching. And (laughs) I was always the problem and I was always the solution. That's what I always tell people. Like the the problem was never my ex-husband. The problem was never YouTube algorithm. I was always the problem and I was always the solution. And God was always there loving me every step of the way. You're ma- I'm wow. You're like actually choking me up because as you kept saying that, um, because people, oh God, wow. Why am I getting emotional? Um, because you, I kept seeing your tattoo peek out and I also have one on my wrist. And this tattoo is in reference to that period on my life, like my darkest moment and how had I not gone through that, I would not be the person I am today. And thank fucking God I went through that because thank fucking God I'm who I am today. And people who are closest to me always will roll their eyes when I've referenced that period of time. And they always say things like, like, why do you still care so much about the time? Because that was like that. I will forever for the rest of my life, look back at that moment when that is when Sam became Sam, because 
I went through an awful breakup of after dating someone for four years and we had a whole life together and I had to make a decision of settle for this relationship and never be able to fully be who I am and then drag this other person down with me or allow us both to jump ship, kick them out of the ship, break their heart, but they'll find that the, the, they will survive and I will survive. And I, the reason why, so I've, so I want to talk about tattoos too. Um, so my tattoo here is three sevens, seven, seven, seven. Um, here we go. The strip show begins me after dark. And so, um, this is because after, you know, after you go through breakup, you, you know, you kind of regret it a little bit and you think to yourself, did I make the right decision? You know, maybe I want that person back. And I kept having, it was the first two months and I kept having dreams. Like the dream could be this interview, but then a random moment would always occur the same moment where my ex would text me and all the text would say is seven, seven, seven. And eventually I remembered, I was like, I keep having that moment in all these random dreams. What does that mean? So I Googled, what the fuck does that, what does seven, seven, seven mean? And it's an angel number from the universe trying to tell you, remind you, you've just made a drastic life decision, but making that decision has now put you back on track for your destiny. And every moment, Michael, in my life since that moment, when something good has happened to my life, I see 777. And so I've got, I got it tattooed on me. And then my other one is on my ribs. And it says it's always darkest before the dawn. That, like, that's my life mantra. Is it because it is? I mean, it's literally true, but it's also like, you know, the figurative. So t- tell me about some of your favorite tattoos. I uh, well, like it's funny because I have a YouTube play button and I I was again, this is my first tattoo. I was probably a little drunk. It's so big. If I had known I was gonna get this many tattoos, I would have yeah, gotten it. Yeah, 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 but yeah. again, it is what it is. Um uh-huh. and I love it. It's silly. I also have the words joy and purpose because I'm full of joy and purpose. This was my childhood vision board. When I was a child, I had a vision board with a smiley face, a dollar sign and a heart. Because again, even at a child, I was manifesting happiness, love and wealth. Mm -hmm. I love this quote. It says every spare second is an opportunity to be grateful and multiply the things you love. That's a picture of me that the CEO and my friend of my company, Arrow Senior Living Amanda drew of me. Arrow is the company I work for. So it's funny that that was my career. And then that was my career. I love myself as is. So it says as is I'm all into life. There's Cape Cod where I'm from. I don't know. I love it. That was like a penis, but it's a lighthouse. But <laughs> <laughs> I have an Olympic tattoo. So if you see me on Grinder and you're like, he's catfishing me, he's an Olympian. I just like the Olympics bit. Sorry. This is a question that I know that you will love because it's a very life co- coach type question. And whenever I've asked other people that, they're like, what? And I'm like, Michael's going to eat this up. So if you were to be able to go back in time and tell your 12 year old self one thing, what would you say? And what do you think your 12 year old self would think of you today? Oh my, I, I think, so that's like, so I think he would be delighted by me. I think he would be very amused by me. I think I always, I always thought I was the funniest thing alive. So I'm pretty sure he would think I was so <laughs> hilarious. I yeah. think he would be really, really, really proud of me. 
I think he would be surprised, but not surprised how it all turned out. Um, and I also, when it's funny, when, what would you want to tell him? I, I, I hate to be like this, but nothing. I always think he'll figure it out just like I did. You know, there's nothing I would want 12 year old know to me. I, I didn't need to know what I needed to know till I was 28, 38, 46. And, you know, so I, I, I don't, I would never grab me and shake me and say, it's going to be okay. Or I would never grab me and shake me and say, you're responsible for your emotions or, you know, <laughs> you're many, meant to have many great loves and many, I, yeah. I figured it out. So I, I wouldn't want to yeah. miss out on the opportunity that, Oh, I, I told myself. So to answer, yeah. I apologize. Apologize that I don't have a better answer. I could again, I could lie and be like, "Here's a good answer for your show," but I wouldn't yeah. tell him a goddamn no. thing. He'll figure it out, just like I did. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. That's the truth. I I would tell myself, tell the truth and live your truth. That's it. That's it. Because again, as as queer men, we grow up, we grew up having to live a lie and then learn how to undo that lie in our adult years and we always find find ourselves because it's easy it, it becomes a habit like lying becomes part of our of our identity unfortunately um and that's what i would tell myself I'm like just fucking stop lying about shit and live your life one final question i have for you michael is what is the last thing that you think about every day about God. I do. I think about God. I'm always, I'm thinking about God. I honestly, I think I, I, I always, I feel the word is giddy. I always feel giddy. And I, th I think, a lot, <laughs> I think a lot about flag football because it's flag football season and I get really excited about flag football. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think about my day and I think about the interactions, really small moments I have with my family and really great moments I have with my clients and maybe a, a great play I made at flag football or a nice message I got on Instagram. And I'm basically just counting my blessings and my gratitudes and kind of putting a bow on the day. And I do, I go to bed with a, anything I need to let go of or if something was bothering me, I let go of it immediately. I never think about like that's why it's funny when something is bothering me i love to just kind of process it and move on versus so i go to bed and i just count my blessings i replay my day and i think about god i can't wait to wake up tomorrow and just do this again i feel so lucky to be alive i feel so grateful that this is my life and so i love going to sleep every night and i love waking up every morning and getting to <laughs> yeah. just it again it's just this is mm -hmm. such a happy chapter of my life like i just want to enjoy every moment of it so i am just so present and so grateful and so i appreciate the opportunity to come on here and just share that with you know the people who watch your show so thank you no thank you i can't seriously thank you enough for existing as if it was up to you to exist <laughs> thank you to buck's parents for birthing him into this world but you are just just a s solid example of of resilience because you looked the you looked life dead in the eye, and and you said I'm just gonna be me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put on the seatbelt of this roller coaster. The dips it goes down. I'm gonna be fine because the only way to go down is up. I know that no matter when I go down, the only way to go down or to get go from here is up and. You've just always been someone who reminded me to not take life fucking too seriously because it's so easy to get wrapped up in all the noise 
And then I'll come in and I'll see you. And I'm like, Sam, you need to chill the fuck out. And I can't thank you enough for that. And I know that that the the good that you're doing for the world around you, and it may feel like a small little bubble, but but the ripple effect of that is so great because for for 13 years of my life, you're, you've been a voice that's been present in the back of my head to keep going. And I also, again, just can't thank you enough. And that's it. So thank you for coming on the Shmi Show. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to tell people before before no, before you leave? No, I just I want to tell people that, you know, believe in yourself and believe everything is possible and, you know, stop negotiating your worthiness, your lovability and your self-esteem and, you know, shine bright in the world because that gives permission to other people to shine and 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 just have so much fun. Like you just said about life is pretty serious or it's also hilarious. So, you know, when I used to do stand up, I would tell jokes about death and I would say my dead mother ran over my dead dog laughter is all I have so again it's like I always I want to be the light and I want to see the light and yeah. I want to bring the light and even if the world is giving me whatever they're giving me I'm still going to be an example of joy and possibility. And so I just, I thank you for your kind words and I will, I will believe me when I go to bed tonight, I'll be thinking of your kind words. So thank you, Sam. All right. Well, ditto. All right, Michael, we'll have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Right, bye. Bye.